Hey folks, this is Jeff Gibson, the host of The Movie Lovers and, of course, the Gibson Review. I just wanted to pop on in here and explain to you that when we did the latest episode of The Movie Lovers, the 2020 in review episode, we had so much content to discuss that I needed to eventually parse out Shanna's week in review segment into its own special episode and and leave it to be just the week in review of movies that were related to and pertained to the rest of the episode uh, 2020 in film so that's what you have here is a special episode of Shanna going through and talking about a handful of things that she's watched since the last episode I want to remind you that you can also find at thegibsonreview.com my latest piece on the best and worst of 2020. Go ahead and check that out, as well as be sure to listen, if you haven't already, to our 2020 in review episode. Thanks very much, and I hope you enjoy. Shanna, we have a packed Week in Review segment here. So uh, why don't you spend a couple minutes talking about things that you saw since our last episode. So I got to watch Super Intelligence on HBO Max, which was pretty exciting because it's taking place in Seattle. And they're pretty accurate with their Seattle mapping. I think there's one or two shots where I'm like, you did not shoot that in Ballard. I know Ballard, and you didn't do that. Or you mm. didn't shoot in Magnolia or wherever the hell it is. But mostly it's really cool because uh, Seattle's kind of strange in, you know, if you go look in the map, on, on the map, it's got these little islands, these little fingers to it. And so they can tell you they're shooting in one place, but really they might be shooting somewhere a little bit f- further away. Mm. So it's nice to see how things are located because it can be confusing. And you're familiar, of course, because you work in Seattle and we live over an hour away from Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I've spent a lot of time in Seattle. Now, another reason I really wanted to watch this, because you guys know I'm a sucker for a Seattle movie, uh, is Melissa McCartney is in it and James Corden is in it uh, and Bobby Cannavale. So three pretty cool cool people that I enjoy watching. Uh, What is this film about? It's about an all-powerful super intelligence choosing to study Carol Peters, who is, you know, Melissa. The fate of the world hangs in the balance as the AI decides to either enslave, save, or destroy humanity. And it's up to Carol to prove that people are worth saving. And it's a good thing that she's the chosen one because she's pretty sweet and kind. Okay. Is this movie worthwhile? Because it's directed by Ben Falcone, Melissa McCarthy's husband, and they don't have a really yeah. good history of making great movies together. I think it's a fun popcorn film. There's nothing terribly exciting about it. If you're a Seattleite or a Washingtonian familiar with Seattle, this is a fun film to watch because they're actually trying really hard, uh, seemingly, to get this right. Okay. So, you know. Did they get the script right? I thought it was fine. Okay. I thought it was fine. It's cute because Melissa McCartney, she's trying to be okay letting go of her boyfriend. But the intelligence says, well, what if I, and this is in the first few minutes of the film, like, what if I just ended the world? Where would you go? What would you do? Well, I'd try to make things right with my ex. 
And so it's it's really a sweet relationship that the two of them have and how they're trying to make it right. She's trying to make it right. And, you know, he's trying to let her go. So it's this nice back and forth. And what would you rate that movie out of 10? I, I would say like a solid six. It's a fun film. Okay. And what else did you watch? And then, because I was so obsessed with Seattle movies or movies that take place in Seattle, I decided to finally watch Where'd You Go, Bernadette, which is on Hulu right now. So perfect time to catch up on things for free, uh, more or less. This is from 2019. A loving mom becomes compelled to reconnect with her creative passions after years of sacrificing herself for her family. Her leap of faith takes her on an epic adventure that jumpstarts her life and needs to her triumphant rediscovery. That's starring Kate Blanchett, Billy Crudup, and Emma Nelson, who I really like. Kristen Wiig is also in this film. Let me look up Emma Nelson, who plays the daughter, because uh, I would be very interested in seeing what she does in the future. She's got something untitled coming in 21, and everything else, I have no idea what that stuff is <laughs> on her profile. <laughs> so-, so she's fairly new, right? <clears throat> Yeah, um, sorry, allergies are really acting up. Okay, here's, here's the thing. Something hilarious happens that I think anyone who lives in a rainy state or city or whatever can totally relate to, and then everything else about it irritates me as far as the whole representation of Seattle goes. Uh, the father works at Microsoft, and the kids go to a a somewhat special school. I think it's a a charter school. And so, you know, they're all connected. And uh, one of the moms does this whole, oh, all all roads lead to Microsoft. And I'm like, bitch, please, all the roads that I came across all led to Amazon. So, like, you can argue (laughs) which one is more dominant in Seattle. But, you know, the fact of the matter is not everything is about Microsoft. We're grateful you're here, the money that you put into the state, blah, blah, blah. But, like, not everything is about Microsoft. But also, weren't you saying that Microsoft isn't even actually in Seattle? It, You know, not that I'm aware of. As far as I understand it, it's uh, they've got a couple different campuses. And it's located in Bellevue. It's located in Issaquah or Redmond, uh, one of those. And... That's where it is. I think there's plans to come back closer to Seattle, but it's yeah. not even technically going to be like it's not like they're in downtown Seattle. Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. what pissed me off about this movie. And then where they're living is not in Seattle, but they act like it's close to downtown Seattle. And it really, it, from what I can tell, it's really not. I could be completely wrong. Right. But right. it pisses me off when you act like, oh, well. You know, we're working in Bellevue, so let's take the shuttle to downtown Seattle. <laughs> Who the fuck wants to do that? It's a mission to get from one from one to the other. Right. And like, oh, because on a good day they're a half an hour yeah, apart, right? Or forty-five minutes yeah. or an hour, depending if something's happened. Yeah. And I guess it just pisses me off when you act like oh, we're a block away from Pike Place, but we're not going to show Pike Place, but we want to kind of be by Pike Place. And it just makes me feel incredibly frustrated. I'm spoiled. I love Lynn Shelton's way of depicting Seattle, you know, so. Well, okay, um, so. uh, But movie Seattle aside. Yeah, Seattle aside. There are so many problems with this film. 
the best part of this film is the daughter and mother relationship and how they stand up for each other. There's there's a moment where the daughter, they're very objective people in a way. The mother mm-hmm. has her issues. She doesn't like letting people into her life because she doesn't want to get hurt. You know, normal human fault. But the daughter is able to objectively view what her mother's doing and what others are doing around her mother. And she calls bullshit on one of the, one of the characters. And it's this beautiful, empowering moment where it's like you look at that mother and daughter and you think to yourself, that mother must be so proud. Like she has just embodied everything she stands for. And it's so wonderful because now she's reaping the benefits, you know. So I was a very like, I'm so proud of this mom. But, you know, there's so many problems with this film. Essentially, I don't even know how to word the problems with this film in a concise manner. So I'll, I'll take a breath and I'll try. The father character is a madman. He thinks that he can send his wife off to a mental institution or a facility or clinic or, you know, detox of some kind to to reconnect herself when your wife has given up everything for you and what you want to do is not deal with it and have someone else deal with it, you fucking idiot. So okay. that's that's what I have to say on that. Everything works out in the end. It's quite lovely, but it, it also falls flat because the father is the problem with this film. If it was just about the mom and daughter, I think I, I think I'd really like it. You know, mm. we'd be missing something because you need, you need to have something that's uh what is it called when you're a bad guy? An antagonist. Yeah. You need or the antagonist conflict? or the conflict. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is by <laughs> Richard Linklater. It seems like, I can't believe it was eons ago. Uh, it feels like it's eons ago, even though it was only 2019 when we used to see trailers for this all the time. But I remember, you know, Richard Linklater, he's the director of the Before Trilogy and oh, he Burning. Does Boyhood. Boyhood, right, right. So he's he's a yeah. he's an incredible okay. director. And I remember this being critically quite a disappointment on mm-hmm. his end. So it sounds sounds like, you know, and of course he's famously a Texan and Austin, Texas and all that sort of stuff. So it sounds like it was, in your estimation, a, a story-wise, a huge uh, disappointment. Yeah, I was, I was fairly annoyed. So yeah. what, what would you give that out of 10? I'd maybe give it a three. Oh, that's really And bad. the only reason it's getting three points is because of the mother-daughter relationship. And that, that's a, an awesome part. Okay. And so a couple more things that uh, you watched. Uh, one I promise, guys, there's no more Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? We've got from HBO Max, The Flight Attendant, starring Kaylee Kuko. Kuoko. Kaylee Kuoko. Oh. From the Big Bang Theory, mostly, and Harley Quinn series. You know, I just, I don't know how to read, guys. You know what? Why don't you read the names for me? Because I'm going to totally mess it up. Mikhail Huseman. And he's from Game of Thrones. Zosia Mamet. I didn't know that was her name. I don't know what she's from, but I love her. I could be wrong, but I think she's from Girls. I think that's oh, okay. what really got, and then she started also in The Kids Are All Right, and she started in a lot of oh. other things. But Girls is where I probably first saw her. T.R. Knight also Who's stars from Grey's in Anatomy. And Michelle Gomez also stars, uh, who you're familiar with and a fan of. Yes, from Sabrina. I was very excited to see her. I was very, very excited. And of course, Rosie Perez also stars in this series. Shanna, go ahead and share your thoughts. I got to see the first three episodes of this, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, share my thoughts after you. Uh, it's a nice short and sweet show it's only about eight episodes and this is a flight attendant wakes up in the wrong hotel in the wrong bed with a dead man and no idea what happened yep 
When questioned by FBI agents and still unable to piece the night together, she begins to wonder if she could be the killer. So she has to figure stuff out. This is an incredibly flawed human. She has a big drinking problem. And that affects everything in her life. And she's in constant denial that she has a problem. And it's very infuriating to watch. But I love watching Callie. Kaylee. Kaylee. And I love watching the other actors and actresses in this show. Uh, it's definitely flawed, this, this show. It, it could have been better in certain aspects. In what aspects? Without giving away spoilers. We're a little too back and forth with her actions. And I think we're also a little unrealistic. Look, I've never made friends with someone who has a drinking problem. So maybe I'm missing that perspective. But it was interesting to see what that is like for someone. And that's about all I have to say about that. Because you can't reveal anything. You know, mm. it'll be a spoiler. So I would say that I was really looking forward to this show, actually. I was very curious what Kaylee Cuoco is doing. You, you uh, see her in Big Bang Theory, then you hear her in Harley Quinn. You're like, okay, so this is someone who definitely is interested in taking risks, doing something outside the box, doing something different, and branching out as an actress. So I was very much interested in what the flight attendant brought, and I tried really hard to go in as cold as possible. I did hear it had something to do with a murder. So I watch it, and I really was disappointed by it. It kind of drove me nuts. The two biggest things that I can speak to is a, the character does every possible humanly possibly bad choice you could make in the situation that she is in. And she keeps continuously making bad choices, even though she has people in her life who tell her the right thing to do or who are actually the people you go to to do the things that she's doing or look into the things that she's looking into. So after three episodes, that alone drove me nuts. And I was like, I can't get into this. I can't love this. No. Mm. Second of all, there is this inner in, in, in her head, this constant back and forth between her and the victim in the story. And that drove me nuts, too, because ultimately, from what I was seeing in the show, it really didn't do anything to move the story forward. And by design, it can't move the story forward because it's a figment of her own imagination. So all it was was just this expression of her neurotic id and, and, and her, her frayed psychosis. And I, I just really couldn't have any of that. So I remember what I didn't like about the show. I felt like the last episode was a disappointment. That's what happened. But but you, you know, liked everything leading up to it. I think so. Like, I was okay with it. Look, it's not like... It's no Killing Eve. You know, Killing Eve is, like, practically perfect in every way. Are they comparable? Well, there's, there's killing happening, you know. That's the title. That would be very disappointing if it didn't. And, and <laughs> you know, so... That's what I got there. Okay, so that's The Flight Attendant on HBO Max. Lastly, you had one more thing that you wanted to speak to. Okay, so finally, we had a house project that I finally executed, painting our son's room. And you know what is a great show to paint to? 
is self-made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker, which is on Netflix. It stars Octavia Spencer. I have wanted to watch this for months. The inspiring story of trailblazing African-American entrepreneur Madam C.J. Walker, who built a hair care empire that made her America's first female self-made millionaire. It also stars one of my favorites, Tiffany Haddish. Oh, cool. And, and that's about it. Like, I love those two women. I love Octavia. I love Tiffany. And, uh, you know, anyone else that's there did a fine job. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Tiffany Haddish is Octavia Spencer's daughter in this show. And it's just super interesting how you how unique they were in that they I'm not a black woman. I cannot relate to anything that they're going through in that sense. But I am a fourth generation entrepreneur. And to see, see Madam C.J. Walker figure out this massive gap in a consumer industry that needed filling mm. is, is, is amazing to see. It's like, of course, someone needed to get on that product. Of course, someone needed to make a good product and, and come from an authentic place. Because she had, in the first few minutes of the, the show, she comes across another woman who is selling hair product and does her hair for her in her home, to, you know, to, to get her product selling. And the product is fairly badly made in that it smells and it at time burns. Mm. So the, it's just so interesting to me that that she was able to be so fiercely determined to not only make this product and then go out and sell it, but to also create this industry of retailers, of saleswomen. Uh, she kept it as much woman as she could to give independence to to the woman she wanted to give independence to, like had what she had gained, you know, and I, I don't know how accurate the show is, but at some point she ends up living next door to Rockefeller. So she mm. really made it. And at one point she was going to make a decision to get her product into uh, like the 10, 10 cents stores. Mm -hmm. And, and there was a huge uproar with all the saleswomen because they were like, then no one's going to come to me because mm. the whole branding of it was, okay, we have her product and we're doing hair. Mm -hmm. So there's this twofold income that's happening with it from what I could interpret. And, you know, she held a conference and at the conference, everybody was, you know, all the saleswomen were protesting about it. And she took a beat and she was like, okay, I need to, I need to, really rethink this and I won't spoil it for you but it was just great and how they end the show is uh, you know it's no spoiler there's all these different female characters at the end saying their story like I became the seller for the USA I became the seller internationally I became um, the supervisor of 10 beauty schools you know it was it was this beautiful culmination of the effect Madam C.J. Walker had with her product and her entrepreneurship and determination because we all know as entrepreneurs like you don't get it right the first time or even the tenth time mm. you know so it was just it was really inspiring really well made very well executed I was surprised that there were only like six episodes mm. you know so it's a great short watch uh, I may have missed it what was the name of her company what's you know that, that these products are, are sold as uh, do, do they does it still exist today 
I believe so. What ended up happening is her uh, biological daughter didn't, I don't think she had a family, but what they did is they brought another girl into their family and was practically another daughter for them. And she carries on the legacy. Okay. Yeah, I was just look trying to find really quickly what it is, and I, I'm not able to right away. But uh, that's interesting. And how is Octavia Spencer in it? Is you know she has a history of always playing the the sassy, strong black woman, and I, I always thought she and I've talked about this many times in the podcast. She has more potential, and is is shown that potential than she's often given um, opportunity for. Is this one of her better roles, one of her better performances, or is it kind of more of the same? I think this is a really balanced one. There isn't, as far as I can see, there isn't really like sassiness to it. It's determination. It's a different kind of Octavia Spencer. Gotcha. You see a range of emotions with her. She is breaking down at at one point in the show. She is making mistakes. And so I feel like there's this nice range that we're seeing from her. Mm-hmm. So maybe one of her best performances. I think so. Very cool. So that is, once again, self-made, inspired by the life of Madame C.J. Walker on Netflix. Okay, that is the end of your uh, Week in Review. Now it's time for our Week in Review. Prior to Christmas, we finally caught up with 2019's Klaus, which was, I think, a Netflix original film, yep. or maybe it wasn't, but it got distributed by Netflix. I remember it being nominated for Best Animated Picture. At any rate, Klaus is about a simple act of kindness sparking another, even in a frozen, faraway place. When Smearenberg's new postman, Jesper, befriends toy maker Klaus, their gifts melt an age-old feud and deliver a sleigh full of holiday traditions. That's a very spoiler-heavy plot description there. Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, Will Sasso, and Norm MacDonald, and Joan Cusack round out the highlights of the cast. Shanna, you saw this movie on your own. And then I you insisted. It, yeah, I saw it twice on my own in one week. Oh, wow. And then I watched it with you guys. But I feel like I've seen it like four times. Okay. So clearly you liked it. Share a little bit more of your thoughts on it. I love this film. You know, it, it starts out looking like they're going to really show gratitude and origins of the Postal Service. And it, it's just, it's so interesting how it starts jesper is told that he needs to follow in his father's footsteps or or at least have purpose in his life yeah and if he's not going to find purpose in his life well then you're on your own because he's rich he's privileged he's definitely taking he doesn't feel the need to 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 find purpose you know he likes his silk sheets and that's that's all he needs right and his espresso or whatever it is you know so he's this place that is filled with so much hate hate that's like doesn't even look like hate anymore because they're the, the, it's like i don't know since the beginning of time they've the these two parts of the village have hated each other all the time right. and nobody even knows why anymore and it's just really interesting how we have certain elements of the mythology of santa coming into this film and it all makes sense to me for Mm -hmm. sure i love it i i'm going to watch this every year i might even watch it when it's not christmas yeah no like 
happiest season we talked about in the previous proper episode of the movie lovers i i was actually pleasantly surprised by this film i actually appreciated that i went into it cold mm-hmm. not really knowing where it was going and so that's why i kind of regret reading that plot description because it was a very interesting angle into the Santa Claus mythology and building that mythology. I really enjoyed that. I had a couple beats in the third act and the climax of the film that didn't work for me or I was slightly disappointed by, you know, this whole like you lied to us kind of element comes into play in the third act and that's like Lying oh. is bad okay yeah okay <laughs> it was like the kind of thing that a movie beneath this would have done and it was so it was doing so well but overall i really enjoyed this movie and i'm with you this is another one to add to the rotation of uh, you know perennial films you know every, once every winter to watch and come back to so what would you rate klaus out of 10 Probably a nine. I, Ooh, I really wow. love this film. As I was watching it, I, you know, I had to watch it on a, a laptop. But as each moment, each moment that was happening, I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Oh, my God, is this going to happen? Oh. So I was really into it. Um, and I, I truly value not lying. So I think that's why I'm not on the same page as you mm. with that. I'm like, yeah, damn straight. <laughs> it's just so typical. And, and it's, you know, we've seen it done so many times. And it's just kind of disappointing. Yeah, to but see everything that. else about it's original. So, yeah, no, definitely. I, I would not say it's one of the best movies of 2019. I would give it a seven out of 10. It is a really good movie, very enjoyable, and definitely worth catching up with if you haven't already. That is Klaus, an animated film on Netflix. Why don't you tell people where they can find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography. And uh, on the slowly but surely updated list on Flickchart, Spellbinding A. Go to the Gibson Review for all things Gibson Review and the movie lovers. You will find on there, please, uh, the final celebration of the 10th anniversary of the Gibson Review. It pretty much got started in 2010. 2020 was the celebration of its 10th anniversary. I have on there a series of articles that culminated in the 100th favorite movies of all time. The final post is up. Go check that out at thegibsonreview.com. Uh, you can also follow on Facebook slash The Gibson Review. Instagram, good old Instagram, The Gibson 99. I do polls there on Instagram. You'll probably find a poll for your favorite movie of 2020 there soon. Recently, we did polls for your favorite Christmas movie. I'm looking to see if there's anything before that that we did. doesn't look like it. Your favorite Christmas movie. Very surprising. Home Alone ended up slaughtering Elf uh, as your favorite Christmas movie. We also did your favorite movie of 2011. That is just finishing up at time of recording. It looks like it might end up being between Captain America First Avenger and Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. 
Check out the Gibson 99 on Instagram to find out what the results were of that. I will also mention the results in the next episode. And of course, flick chart the Gibson 99. Uh, next episode, let's look ahead. Let's do 2021 preview, shall we? And, and talk okay. about what movies we're hoping to actually see. Yeah, just I feel like year. it's going to be in vain. <laughs> Well, that's the spirit. I don't know. That episode, though, I think you will find on January 19th, I believe, will be right. Tuesday, January 19th. Uh, In the meantime, Happy New Year. Keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying bye-bye.